episode 47. Today, I speak with Ari Tala from Better Doctor about finding the best doctors. American healthcare entrepreneurs and executives you want to know. Talking. Relentlessly seeking value. Today, I speak with Ari Tulla from Better Doctor about increasing transparency in healthcare. This is a well-worn topic of discussion, especially as it relates to the quality of care and the value of care delivered. If consumer-driven healthcare is going to work, patients really need to be able to make rational healthcare choices, but rational choices can only be made with access to information needed to be rational. Today, I talk with Ari about the complexity of scoring physician quality, which I had never really considered at this level before. After that, we get into a sidebar about inspiring talented technology entrepreneurs to get into the healthcare space. Ari actually wrote a book about this. And his point is that our industry won't evolve at the pace that it could without new blood that can really propel us forward. And I couldn't agree with him more. We could do well with an influx of newcomers with know-how and without vested interests or paradigms. My name is Stacey Richter, and this podcast is sponsored by Franklin HealthCom. Today, I'm speaking with Ari Tella from Better Doctor. And Ari, because I am 100% sure I am not doing it correctly, could you pronounce your name? <laughs> <laughs> My name is uh, it's, uh, Ari Tulla. We rolled ours in, in Finland, so but I take whatever I get. So let's talk about Better Doctor, which is a company that you founded. What are you doing out there in San Francisco? We started the company about four years ago, and the focus really is to help people find a good doctor. The market is, is very vast and complicated, and we try to help as many people as possible to get care that they deserve. And why does this matter, what you're doing? Really, for me, this is a personal vendetta where I started to build a company uh, for my own personal problems. So we had uh, family medical issues for 15 years, first in Europe and later in the U.S. Uh, we moved seven years ago to California had a really good health plan, had access to all the doctors, but really couldn't find the right one. We spent months and months of time to trying to find the right doctor. It was really hard. I, I realized that uh, there really are no online tools available that can actually help you to find a, a proper, the right kind of a doctor. And we are trying to build that one. I'm sure that your quest has received a bit of a boost from the Affordable Care Act. Because there's several components of the Affordable Care Act that would seem to support what you're doing. Yeah, it's a great point. And I mean, I think about two years ago, I realized that I'm not, I'm not alone in this market. Of course, you know, we had had a lot of people already using our site. But I realized that there are maybe 70 million people who are trying to find a doctor. And now with, uh, with the Obamacare or Affordable Care Act, we are seeing, seeing even a further increase. More people walking into healthcare for the first time, and they are very confused what they need to do. So I know also that part of the Affordable Care Act is tools like physician care. Could you talk a little bit about how Better Doctor might be better than physician care or augment it? So I think what we try to do is we have a couple of things. We, we try to, of course, build simple tools for people to find doctors. And also we try to qualify doctors. The qualifications is a very complicated topic because you know, your perception of quality is different than mine. I like a different kind of doctor than you do. So this is really something we are trying to build a system around where 
we could not only help you find a doctor that is capable of doing what you need, but also somebody you can trust and, and you know, have an ongoing relationship. Ideally, we want to facilitate people to, you know, meet the doctors, say, wow, I mean, this doctor really is amazing. And, you know, I want to go there again. And I really get the, get the care I want. I'd like to circle back around to the point that you just made, which is basically that different individuals might evaluate what counts as a quality doctor in different ways. But also the fact that quality standards might actually evaluate a doctor differently than maybe your average human would. But before we go there, do you just want to talk a little bit about the Better Doctor platform? You know, what does it look like? So if I go to betterdoctor.com, what am I going to see? On the website, you will find uh, uh, a simple way to find doctors based on speciality, CD, and you can select your insurance plan and find the doctors who are in your plan. You can also look doctors by, by procedures. So think about if you are looking for a knee replacement, you can find the doctors who are doing that the most often with the best price. So that is really the, the core on the on the web. And we have the same on the on the mobile apps, currently on the on the iPhone app store. What we also offer, we we are offering services for, for developers. So think about uh, any healthcare company or any website or any application that could use a doctor search on the apps. We are happy to provide that. We already have about 100 companies who are using our data on their own applications. It sounds like because you mentioned cost, that what you're evaluating is actually value, not necessarily limited to quality. And, and when I say that, I'm, I'm defining value as quality divided by cost. Yeah, I think the value for money is something that I don't really know if anyone is doing that correctly or doing at all in the healthcare market. I mean, think about any other market that we are in, you know, buying a house or buying a car or buying anything from Amazon. We always, you know, trying to look for the value. In healthcare, it's very difficult because first of all, we don't know the quality. We really don't know the price. So we are often flying blind. And, and those are the things we are trying to open up slowly. But it's a vast, complicated market. And uh, there's a lot of work to be done before we can really open it up properly. So you would always know how much things will cost. Yeah, I've actually seen someplace that um, Americans tended to say that it was harder to find cost data than quality data. Because quality data, if you're evaluating on, I think, like the average American, that's, you know, getting a referral from a, a friend. So they feel happy or content with that level of quality information, but the, the cost data be is incredibly elusive. Absolutely. And like you referred already, um, if you think about the quality, uh, of course, the perception is different from you know, all of us. But looking at the industry, it's basically you know, basing the quality scores based on the, the surveys that are done to patients uh, or hospital outcomes or, or different metrics that has been there for a long time. And these have never been public to the, to the patient. So what we try to do now is to kind of open up some of these data points. And we've been surveying thousands of people and understanding what they are looking for a good doctor. Most of them say, I want to have somebody like me, somebody I can relate to. Then they are saying about, I want to have somebody who is nearby. I want to have somebody who looks pleasant, who looks trustworthy. So they are very soft metrics. And then after that, they are talking about the education, constant feedback, and so forth. So the, the metrics in the hospital setting and the, and the metrics for the patient are very different today. Do you feel that those two, or do you know whether those two 
camps are aligned in any way. In, in other words, if I believe a doctor is good, what, what are the chances that that doctor actually is? Well, I think, you know, many of us, if most of us maybe even, find a doctor on some level based on a referral. It could be a referral from a friend or from another doctor. I mean, that's a bit of a hit and miss. So we don't really have a, an experience. We don't really compare SOP in healthcare. I mean, I don't know if any one of us have gone to like five doctors and then kind of tested them, who are the best ones. Very few of us have interviewed a doctor. I hear it happening more and more now for pediatricians that you're going to go and meet the doctor, you're going to interview them, and then you say, oh, I don't like you. Next one. But that's, I mean, very few people. So I, I don't think um, the way we select the doctors today is, is scientific at all. I think there's a huge shift that has to happen in the market and the mindset of the patient and the doctor and the industry before we are getting on a level that, that we could have as much information and our fingertips as we need. So how does Better Doctor do it? I mean, do you have an algorithm that you, you use? How are you cracking this nut? We started from the very simple stuff first. We looked at the education background, qualifications. We looked at the experience, how many years of experience the doctors have. And I mean, what we do, we look at the... Uh, let me give an example. So if there is a doctor who went to Harvard Medical School for the MD, then they did an internship, let's say, in, in Stanford. And then they went to the fellowship at the Sloan Kettering. All these facilities are some of the best in the world. And you know that if somebody gets into Harvard or Stanford or Sloan, they will be a 1% top of the class or top of the, the group who are applying. And then you kind of know that they have to be pretty capable on what they do. So we are looking at these funnels and defining who are the doctors who have gone through a very difficult funnel and became uh, you know, the winner in the end. And then, of course... We also are trying to look at the consumer feedback and opening that up for the, for the patient so you can read about the feedback from other people's uh, experiences. Interestingly, now what we are adding on top of this, we are looking at the doctor referrals. And to me, that's a very interesting element because now we are getting more and more data on who are the doctors who are sending patients to this specialist, for example. So wouldn't you like to go to a knee doctor who has the top primary care doctor sending patients to? And is trusted by these 25 doctors who are good. So those are the metrics we are looking and trying to expose them to the patient. And this is all new. And most of this is very new. So uh, many of us have never thought about these things. But we try to slowly change the mindset of people that, hey, there might be more information available on the doctor than just the consumer reviews or the location. Now, is there a different set of metrics that you use, for example, between PCPs and specialists? That's a really good question, and, and we have learned a ton on that. And I mean, I didn't really realize it in the beginning when we started, how different these two things are. If, if I'm kind of like pretty roughly defining the difference, so you have PCP, where you want to have somebody who can help you to tackle problems, somebody who can be a coach and help you, you know, maintain healthy being. And then you have a specialist, where you want to have somebody who knows exactly how to fix you when something is wrong. This could be more like a Dr. House type of person who has uh, steady hands and steady nerves. What have you found based on the work that you've done so far, the correlation is between what people say or what people perceive to be the best doctors and the ones that the research, you know, for example, what you were saying, their education level or how many procedures they perform successfully. Do you do you see that those are 
positively correlated or is it neutral? In other words, some doctors with the best education have terrible patient perceptions or, or negatively correlated? First of all, the, the patient perception and the consumer feedback often is not only about the doctor. It's about the whole experience, like how was my parking? How was my how was the staff in the front office? Did I have to wait excessively? Was the visit you know long enough? How how did I get out of there? How was the payment done? So those are all the things we evaluate when we think about the doctor visit normally. But surprisingly so, I mean, there is correlation. So there are a few studies done recently that are showing that the consumer feedback and the real outcomes actually do correlate. To me, that's very nice to know because, you know, then you can, you, you don't need to trust completely on the consumer feedback, but it can give you an indication. But what I would recommend people to look is that if a doctor or anyone that you look consumer feedback on has less than 10 reviews, I would discount that away because you need to have some momentum there. If you only have one or two or three reviews, then you know you don't, you don't really know. Yeah, it could be the same as for evaluating, you know, almost anything that the people that tend to write reviews are the ones that either had a spectacular experience or a terrible one. So you kind of miss the middle. <laughs> I totally agree. And that's the thing, like, I think... All of us are becoming very, very good at reading these reviews. So we look at the star rating. It gives an indication, but then you often dive into the, the text and you kind of read what was the experience. I think it's very helpful and it, it's very indicative, but you know it can help you a lot on selecting the right doctor. Are, for example, HCAP scores embedded in what you're doing as well? Because I would think that, that an HCAP score would be a more universal evaluation than a patient's self-selected version of that? So what we do is, I mean, getting access to the, to the doctor-level data is, is, of course, very difficult. But what we have access to is the, the hospital, the facility-level data, where we can understand how high quality are these hospitals, these departments, and so forth. So that is something we are also factoring in into our consumer rating that we have built ourselves. So if you are a doctor affiliated or working in a top quality hospital, we are making we are giving you a high score. You had mentioned earlier the fact that patients tend to evaluate the entire experience when they're talking about the the, the quality of a physician that they may have visited. And I, I'm I'm thinking about that a moment and in a way it does make sense. For example, I'm sure that a lot of people evaluate wait time and factor that into their decisions or, or their evaluation. I'm, I, I know I do. But I could see that similarly to, for example, social determinants. In other words, you know, stuff like, am I able to get a ride to do a follow-up visit? Things like this could really matter because if I don't make a follow-up appointment because I know it's going to take me half a day, then that is, of course, going to negatively impact the outcomes that I might have. Yeah, I think it's a good point. And I mean, I think the, the kind of the key challenge in the whole idea of reviewing a doctor is that we are doing it by our own name. We are reviewing a, a person. And that's a very rare incident. When you normally do these reviews, you, you review a product or a company or a business like a restaurant. So it's a very different thing. You know, then you are looking at this holistic metric, but now we are looking at an individual. And most of us, we associate the doctor name to be that practice. So that's why it's kind of very difficult to kind of draw a conclusion and, and a different, differentiate the person from the facility in this case. And I think uh, the number one thing we are seeing people really complaining heavily 
is often the payment. If the payment was wrong, people get upset. And that's often something the doctor has nothing to do with it. It could be that you know your insurance company actually is, uh, is making a mistake and the poor doctor is getting a one-star review. Or it could be something with the wait time or something with the mishap with the scheduling. So when you walk into a doctor's office and you find out that your appointment is next week or it's not existing, that is often the one that we, we get confused and frustrated. So we'll, if, you, if you lose time or lose money, then you are a lot more likely to write the review. If you get a really good experience, often the case, you don't want to do it with your own name because you feel kind of embarrassed that, you know, I'm writing about this doctor with my own name. So it sounds like certain criteria are kind of fixed relative to the practice, and then certain criteria are variable to each individual physician. So if you're a physician, it might behoove you to take a look at the practice that you're joining so that you can make sure that all the care extenders are up to snuff and these sort of back office or front office systems are adequate because of the amount of weight that patients are going to give them in your review. Yeah, I think, I think it's a really, it, a really interesting point. And I mean, I think one, one thing to kind of take it even further, what we have been doing, we did a small test and we released this uh, solution on our, our website where we were comparing different health plans based on the doctor quality in the plans. You could do the same for hospitals because we are looking at, you know, the hospital ratings. They are rated by as a whole facility as, you know, are they getting a better infection scores or are they getting, you know, uh, better scores for the, for the age gap. And then what we could do and we are doing now, we are looking at the whole hospital and seeing who, which hospital has the highest ranked doctors based on our metrics and also the consumer feedback. So that's kind of interesting way to look at it. And I think, you know, going forward this year, we can also identify who are the doctors who are not very good in these hospitals. That's not only data that we and we all want to have as patients, but it's also data that the hospital staff and the management would like to see. Who are the doctors who are not performing up to par at this high quality hospital? Let me understand that the study that you did and, and whether there was any outcomes or revelations that that you might be able to share. So what you were doing was you were comparing your review or your quality score of a hospital with the HCAP score? Uh, well, we didn't we didn't do that in so much in detail, but we, we were more taking up an approach that uh, a hospital is as good as the people in it. And not looking at the whole facility as a whole, but looking at the people, the doctors and the nurses and everybody in that hospital and looking at their quality. So kind of going from you know the, the top-down approach to bottom-up approach and, and comparing it based on the physicians. And did you find that your that this analysis, this bottom up, wound up in the same place as the top down? Well, I think the the outcomes are and the and the kind of realizations are still coming. So we haven't yet opened this up uh, for for everybody. But I think there is a really good anecdotal story on this. Uh, a few years ago, when the New York State opened up the hospital quality ratings and they opened up the details from a from a doctor level. They found out that in one hospital, there was a, a doctor doing heart surgery who was very highly regarded. And that hospital happened to have valet parking for free for all the heart uh, surgery department patients. And what happened is that many, many people went to this place because of the free valet parking. And that was always, always the point that people mentioned on the reviews, for example. And then they found out that this one doctor who had been there for many years 
was uh, completely inadept on, on what, what he was doing. And he was actually killing patients at the rate of 100 times higher than on average. What it meant is that you selected this hospital because of the valet parking and likelihood you dying was actually 10x to 100x if you got this one doctor. This is really the perception thing that if you are comparing only the facility, you don't know which doctor you're going to get uh, to treat you and you might be a lot more likely to die. So if I'm telling somebody that, hey, you go to a heart surgery and you are 10, 10x more likely to die because you get the valet parking. I mean, nobody will value the valet parking after that. Wow, that is a frightening example on many levels. <laughs> and, and it's not only one. There are many, many of these stories. And this is really because, you know, as a patient, we don't know. We walk into a facility, we get care. And often we, we are at our weakest. So we are not ready to ask for help. We are not asking for, you know, who is the best doctor. We are not asking. We don't understand, you know, the details. This is not a unique case. It happens all over the country. This is probably a really good anecdote for, we were talking before about a physician who might be very good, but if the fixed metrics or, or fixed decision-making criteria of the organization that they are working for, their, the scores are low. In other words, their, their billing system is bad, then that doctor's individual ratings might be reduced. This is kind of the opposite case where the hospital itself had paid a good deal of attention to user experience. So the evaluations of physicians within that hospital are then artificially high. Yep, exactly. And uh, and to me, that's really, I think, the best example in the market today, I'm not saying that they are doing anything bad. I think they're doing it really well and right, is uh, One Medical. One Medical has built amazing experience. I mean, I don't know if, if most people know about them, but they are a private uh, chain of primary care clinics around uh, the key metros. And you walk in there, you feel that you are in a high-end spa or in a high-end uh, hotel. It looks great. The staff is very nice and they see you same day always. So they really make it a little bit more exclusive and people love it. I mean, people are referring back and forth. I think in, in the Bay Area, they can't find enough facilities today to expand quickly enough. There are too many patients coming in. Do you find overall, you know, these examples that, that you gave, are they kind of outliers or in general, is there a pretty tight correlation? In other words, does one medical given their focus on the user experience, do they also tend to provide better care? I mean, because they're being so customer-focused and so patient-focused, is there a halo effect that encompasses outcomes? I think in the case of One Medical, of course, I don't know their statistics on the care, but uh, anecdotally, I think people are, are very happy. And I think they are, they are able to hire also high-quality physicians who are maybe the more innovative ones who are looking at the new ways of doing things. And they are looking at the patient, I think, a bit more holistically than an average uh, PCP. But what I think is even more interesting is the fact that if you get great care and you have a great follow-up, meaning that a doctor will tell you after the operation, for example, that, hey, it went really well, you're going to be good in two weeks. And then they give you this positive notions while you are recovering. I think then people tend to recover better and be healthier because in the end, when we are healing our body, it's all about our mind as well. If you feel desperate, if you feel that it went wrong, you feel scared, you're not going to recover as fast as you would be feeling positive and hopeful. That's actually really interesting. I was speaking with Zach Silverswag from Cypher Health the other day, 
And he cited a study which said, and I'm not sure exactly what the study was, but it, but what he said was the best indicator of a readmission is how the patient feels after discharge. If the patient says that they feel worse than they did at discharge, they are far more likely, that's the best predictor, that they're going to come back to the ER and, and be readmitted more than anything else. It's really interesting the, the whole idea of, of healthcare, how much we as, uh, as patients and we as people can do to ourselves and how much the mental state will impact. And I'm, I'm, think about it. Uh, a friend of mine, for example, he went to a knee operation and he walked into the practice. He was completely fine. We had been surfing, you know, day before. Then he is coming back and he can't properly walk for five weeks. Yes, you know, something was fixed. But it's very hard to keep, you know, a good mental state and happy. And, you know, if you walk in healthy and then you walk out and you feel really ill. So he was kind of almost depressed about the whole thing. But now after a couple of months, he's fine. But these are the things that, you know, you go in and you come out as a lot. You're feeling a lot worse than, than walking in. And they are saying the continuum of, of care used to, from a hospital's perspective, used to be limited to the patient's time in the hospital. But I think rightfully so, especially based on what you're talking about, what we're talking about right now, that continuum of care really needs to extend post-discharge. The quality of patient care doesn't only have to do with what happens within the facility itself, but also what happens after the patient leaves. And it would also seem very likely, you know, for example, if someone had surveyed your friend about the quality of care two weeks after he had been discharged, he probably wouldn't have evaluated the facility so high. Absolutely not. And, and it was the, one of the best in the, in the nation. He was almost asking me, like, did I went to the wrong doctor? And I was looking at, at that a little bit. And I think he was probably the best doctor that you can go to. And now, you know, as I said, he's, he's doing better than he did before. But I think this idea is something that um, at Better Doctor, I mean, we, we don't really do much beyond consumer feedback at the moment, but it would be amazing to be able to follow up the patient in a, in a longer path and also understand that are they getting better? Because to me, that simple question of asking how you're doing week after, how you're doing two weeks after, and knowing from the episodic pattern that normally two, at two weeks, you should not, not have pain anymore. You shouldn't use painkillers. Just knowing how you should progress would be really helpful for the doctors, for the patient, and for the hospital. Yeah, I was just going to say that. It almost sounds like in your friend's case that the problem there was communication, which to kind of our earlier point, that's part of paying attention to the overall patient experience. You know, communication is so important if you're being patient-centric. So the fact that that was forgotten in your friend's case is really putting a kind of a sharp tip on the fact that a, a more customer-centric outlook will actually improve patients' perception of care and at the end of the day may even improve their outcomes if your friend really understands what needs to be happening two weeks out and what he should or should not be doing or expecting. Healthcare is such a black box for us. I've been talking with, about this topic with tens of people, and, and they told me that the only thing I have to evaluate after an operation is my scar healing rate. If my scar is healing well, then I might be doing better. But I mean, in the end, that scar is only the one you know, tip of the iceberg in this 
this case. It's really hard to evaluate and assess. So one thing that I'm, I'm really interested in myself overall is uh, how can we understand more about ourselves as people? And how do we know how do we feel? My, my wife, she's been uh, struggling with, with health for many years, and she's very, very good at understanding how she's feeling every day. I'm not. I, I can't assess, really, if I have, a, you know, I have some pain in my stomach. I don't know if that might be you know, my, my guts or my, I ate something wrong or if it might be something more serious. So we don't know, and we really don't have the ability to look inside us and assess are we okay or not. And that's something that I think we could be a lot better in the Western medicine. I think the, the more holistic Eastern medicine is more about, hey, how do you feel? How, do, how are you doing today? We are the best uh, judges in the end as people about ourselves. Nobody else can know that. This is what I'm now very curious about. In the algorithm, you know, the version of the algorithm that you're currently working on, you know, we've talked about all the reasons why patients are very good at evaluating the quality and their evaluations of doctor quality are pretty good predictors of physician outcomes. But then we've talked about a number of ways or, or reasons why that can can fail. What's your final answer on that or, or interim answer at this time? You know, how, how importantly do you weigh patient feedback versus other quality indicators? Currently, we, we weight uh, the other ones uh, higher than the, the patient feedback, but we know that people will want to read about the feedback. So they are two separate things. And that's why we have, in the better doctor rating, we have separated the quality ratings from the patient and all the other ones. So they are two different things. And I think that's the right way to look at it. And we are we are kind of right now actually rebuilding our system a little bit. So for the patient, it will look better. It will look more indicative. You will understand better why is this doctor rated so highly. I think to me, I mean, what we are trying to do at Better Doctor really is something that we can help you to get the search started. I don't think we, we should be the place that you're going to go and you, you're only going to pick a doctor who is top of the list on our site. I, I want all of you to you know, spend your own time thinking about it and, if possible, interviewing the doctors or, if possible, not picking the first doctor that you, you meet because you want to have a right person helping you. And especially if it's a PCP, it's ongoing activity. You want to have somebody who can work with you for the next 10 years, ideally. Looking at the, the whole quality aspect, it's a really complicated topic. It really depends also what's wrong with you. I mean, if you have, let's say, you have a complicated cancer, then you probably have, you know, the, the few places nearby you, you, you can go. You can't pick 15 different places because there might be one or two who specialize on, on that sort of cancer. But then if it's more, something more holistic, something more that you don't feel good, but you don't really know what's wrong, then it's really important to go and hunt the right person who can help you in the long term. That's really great advice for patients. What advice would you have for provider organizations as we move towards a more transparent healthcare economy? I spent the last week at Teams, which is uh, one of the biggest health IT events in the world, if not the biggest. And I, I spoke with, with tens of different chief medical officers of big hospitals. I was blown away. Many of these people, they were talking about opening up their own quality metrics to the public. They were even talking about opening up the consumer feedback for the public in the hospital website. And I'm, I'm, I was blown away. I think this is really a huge shift from the four years ago when I started on this field. People were saying, 
if you publish something, we're going to sue you. You are out of business. And now the same people are saying, I think we will open up this data on our website so people can make better decisions. And I mean, to me, that's a very, very interesting sign that the market is moving very quickly into a consumer space. I'm very, very hopeful now. Why would a provider organization, what would be the business driver for that, you know, for lifting up their skirt, so to speak? Well, if, if you think about from um, hospitals, of course, uh, they are fighting about the market, Sarah. They want to want to be, as a brand, they want to be high end. They want to be high quality. And of course, they are worried that they have bad doctors in the facilities who make the whole hospital look bad. If you think about the payers, the payers basically, they, of course, you know, they want you as a patient to be healthy uh, and use the services as little as possible. And I think they understand the fact that if you, if you send the patient to the best doctor, they will need to use less of uh, ER care. They need to see doctors far less often if they get the best care immediately. So this is, I think, uh, the quality is more open, then the whole system will be less expensive and better for the patient, for the hospital, for the doctors, and also for the payers. So this is kind of economics 101 in, in the sense that if you enable and empower patients to look at the good, the bad, and the ugly, then they will tend to gravitate towards the good doctors. Therefore, the bad doctors will kind of be organically weeded out. That's the thinking. that I would love to Love to see that happening because in the end, transparency will really be the only one that will change the game. And think about the school. I mean, many of us went to school uh, some time ago. You didn't have any, any scores in the in the first few years in school. You don't have a rating. You just were like, you know, you're doing okay or, or you're not doing so well. It wasn't like, you know, you are like 5.0. But now I think the scores are coming even younger and younger students in, in schools as well. And the same applies here. If the doctors don't have any kind of rating, how would we know? How would they know how to become better? You need to have the feedback loop. And to me, transparent quality metrics are the only feedback loop that will get the care to be better. And one kind of point on this that we always hear about this. The healthcare is too expensive. We are spending too much money as a nation on healthcare compared to other countries. At the same time, we are hearing from the policymakers that we have the best healthcare in the world. So who's right here? I think we actually have the, the best healthcare in the world if you have the money to pay for it. And I think we are spending way too much money on healthcare because we are happy to spending so much money in the last you know, few years of people's life. In many countries in Europe, for example, if you are 80 years old and you have the third hip replacement, you're not going to get it. You, you can pay for yourself out of pocket, but you're not going to get it paid by the government. But in here, if you have the great health plan, they will get you a new one and a new one and a new one. So that's why we are spending so much money in the last two years of life. And I think that's something that we need to really find a way to mitigate with and maybe have more skin in the game for the patient at that end. Very difficult questions you raised there. I would be remiss, my friend, if I did not mention the fact that you just wrote a book. Well, I think, you know, we are still on a way to editing it and we are on a good side already. So we have the content already done. And what we hope to do, I mean, like, like you maybe hear me talking about, I'm very excited about you know healthcare. I have only been four years in the market, and I used to be in gaming and and the tech before. I'm really interested about the fact that in healthcare you can actually have a big impact on people's lives in a significant way. I mean, I was doing games before, and yes, you know we can entertain millions of people and they can have a good smile. But 
it's I think more important that you know we can help people save their lives and we can help you know you to help your loved ones to save their lives. So that's to me is the very exciting part of healthcare. And we've been now writing a book and interviewing different people who are impacting in healthcare, who have done their own company or who have invented something or who have built a patient community to help other people. So this is a, a collection of stories from people who are really making a difference today. And the idea what we try to do is to initiate discussion. And I hope if we can help you people make a mind and go to healthcare instead of you know building another social app or photo sharing app or a game, it's a good investment to do. Because many people, they think healthcare is so complicated, so hard, and I don't know anything about it, so I can't work for it. But in the end, I had no idea myself. I was a patient. I knew how the system is not working. And now after four years, we've been helping 20 million people find a better doctor. And to me, that's hugely rewarding. And anyone can do that if they have the tenacity. And I think that is not only is it very inspirational, I'm sure, for many really talented individuals who are, to your exact point, do I build the next, you know, dry cleaning app or do I go into healthcare? But I also feel, and I don't think I'm alone in this, that in order to really take the healthcare industry to the next level, that most likely people probably outside the space who have succeeded in other areas are going to bring those talents and those experiences in order to move healthcare forward and accelerate that movement. I love that uh, the thinking and uh, I hope it is like that. And I think I personally believe it, it will be. And I think the incumbents are very scared at the moment. They have huge companies that they need to you know, run. They need to you know, make more money for the Wall Street every year. And uh, the, the, the point in the end is that uh, this is a great time to be in healthcare or founding a new company because all of us as patients, we are now thinking that, hey, healthcare might be becoming better. It might become different than it used to be. And when there is a the change happening, then you have the biggest opportunities to build something new. Well, I think we are in agreement on that. So where can people find out more information about Better Doctor and where can they, they locate this book when it's, um, when it's been published? The easiest way to, to find us is to go to betterdoctor.com on the web or your mobile device, or you can download an application on iPhone uh, called Better Doctor. If you are a developer, if you are a company who might need to use better healthcare data on doctors, we are happy to help. You can go to developer.betterdoctor.com and find all the information. And the book, uh, I hope, will, will come out soon before, end of, before the summer. We're definitely going to be communicating that on our website very heavily. So the website it is. I thank you so much for being on the program, Ari. Hey, thank you so much. Great to be here. Links to everything discussed during the episode today can be found at RelentlessHealthValue.com. I'll tell you the other thing that you will find at RelentlessHealthValue.com, and that is a way to subscribe to the show. If you subscribe... The cool thing is that you don't have to remember to go to the website every week to download the new episode. It will automatically be sent to you in one of two ways. The first way is you can type in your email address 
in the, there's a, a sidebar on the right hand side of the website where you will find a place that you could type in your email address and then you will get an email once a week with a, a link to download the episode. So that's one way to go. The second is also in that same right hand sidebar on the Relentless Health Value website, you will find a large orange dot. If you click on that dot, then you'll get taken to a place where you can click on the subscribe button in iTunes. If you click on that, then each week your iTunes will automatically download the episode, which you could choose to listen to on your computer or on the podcast app on your mobile phone. If you enjoyed this episode, please, I beg you, uh, it would be really, really helpful if you would rate and review the show either on iTunes or interact with us on Twitter. Our uh, Twitter handle is Relentless with only one S, health. So Relentless with only one S, health. I would love to hear from you. We would find it very inspiring over here at the Relentless Health Value podcast. I thank you so much for tuning in and so much for spending the time with us. Thank you.